listen, man, we 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 prayed about this show. We wanted to do a show that would help our viewers get a sense of what it takes to direct or lead um, our church organization, whether at the conference level, union level, or even at our division level. And so mm-hmm. we searched far and wide to to yes. reach out our administrators uh, to help us understand the impact of COVID-19 and the directives in moving this organization forward, especially in the lens of our mission and uh, seeing the impact of that. I'm looking forward to getting into that discussion today. All right. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Henry, tell us who is at the table. That's what's on the table. Who's at the table today, Doc? Well, let me tell you, we we always bring heavyweight people, man, people who have been in the fire, (laughs) people who have been able to uh, to lead uh, with distinction. And so we have here, uh, first of all, we have Pastor Michael Owusu, president of the Southeastern Conference. Finally, Uh, Southeastern in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Southeastern in the house. We serve together on the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. And uh, Pastor Owusu is just doing a, a great job. Uh, leading that conference, even in these difficult times. And so we praise God that he was able to to make it on here in the midst of his busy schedule, busy schedule. And then we also have uh, Pastor Alex Bryant. Uh, This is the uh, president of the North American Division. Listen, Pastor Bryant, we do share something as well in common. He was a pastor at one time at the Beacon Light Seventh-day Adventist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. And I was a pastor of that wonderful church as well. And so both doctors here on the on the um, platform today. And I know that because of their experience, because of just their passion for ministry, even in the pandemic, I know that we're going to have a good, good discussion today. Pastor Wade, would you just open us up with a word of prayer? Sure, let's pray. Father, once again, it is it is with joy that we've come to this setting. We've come to this table uh, to share in knowledge and information. They say that knowledge is power. And so, Father, we thank you for the wisdom and the power that you're going to give to us today. Uh, bless our guests. Um, uh, bless our viewers. And Father, we pray that you will gain all the glory from what is being shared is my prayer in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right. So here's a little fun spot that we like to do um, to our guest, Dr. Owusu. My friend, it is good to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us as well as Dr. Bryant. Listen, we did not read your full bios and give the whole spiel. And we know that there's some stuff that you might want somebody to know or that you might have said. And we're going to give you now. We we usually have to limit our preachers because we know what preachers do. So I'm going I'm mm-hmm. going But see, Dr. Owusu is my president now. So I, I got. Gotta, <laughs> I gotta be careful. <laughs> you gotta give him extended That's time, gotta, brother. Dr. Russo, <laughs> we normally would get folk, This is what I do. I normally would say, uh, Dr. Russo, you have 49.7 seconds to just say whatever uh, you want to say to whoever you want to say it. I'm gonna do it like this today. Dr. Russo, take all the time you want. You have all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if there's something that you'd like to share with the guests about what you do, where you are, what's going on, you the time is yours. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Again, my name is Michael Owusu. I I like to say that I'm from the most hospitable country in the whole world, Ghana, uh, originally. But I've been living in the United States since 1989. And um, 
Oh, I just want you to know I'm married to the most wonderful woman in the world, my best friend of some 30 something plus years. We've been married for 28, going on 29 this year. We have one son uh, who is uh, the Andrews University Theological Seminary, and we are very proud of him. I'm glad to be with you this afternoon. Amen. We're so glad to have you. Now, if did I, I if, did, did I do well, I stayed within the forty-nine seconds. Per perfect. <laughs> you <laughs> did perfect. 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 Now, okay. Dr. Bryant is 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 in a sense Dr. Wusu's boss. So I'm a, Dr. Wusu. I'm going to let you tell uh, Dr. Bryant how much time he has because I'm, I'm not. It, yeah. It, I, it, <laughs> it's, it's three. It's three levels up, so you can triple his time. Dr. Bryant, just a word of greeting, hello, whatever you'd like to share this time, the time is yours. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for the invitation and the privilege to be here. Uh, and thank you for what you're doing. This is a marvelous venue to talk and discuss uh, with the people of God and others that want to listen and join in on a discussion of what is happening in our communities and our churches. I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to be here. I am married uh, 37 years. My wife and I have three adult sons and uh, we didn't have any daughters. But what we made, what we what we missed out on on this level, we have we caught it on the next level. So we have three granddaughters, oh, wow. precious granddaughters. Uh, one just started Oakwood in a freshman year, just this past year, and and you all pray for her. You know, she's starting in a COVID environment, so all the stuff that we told her you can enjoy at Oakwood. She told me she said, uh, "Poppy, I'm not getting any of that. I'm restricted to my room and so forth and so on." But uh, it's good to be with you, and we are very, very delighted to be a part of this discussion uh, this evening. May God bless the ministry of this this broadcast. Amen. Amen. So again, just so happy to have you. So many uh, people are sending greetings and whatnot in the chat. And I hope our guests that you can see the chat in your windows as well. Um, and we want to invite you to engage them as as you see fit. So let's just go ahead and jump in today. Um, <clears throat> Uh, we want to start off, we're, we're talking about the challenge of leading through the pandemic. And this pandemic has been devastating, not just to the United States, but uh, countries all over the world. Um, and, and we're just wondering this morning, and we talked a little bit before about the impact from a health standpoint um, that COVID has had on the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, we know that there may be some, some, some Adventist entities that are, that are tracking how the, the, the pandemic or how the, 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 what do we call it? I guess the, the virus has, has impacted numbers in the church. We understand that we don't have them everywhere, but from your vantage points, um, President Owusu and, and President Brian, Brian, what, what kind of impact are you seeing that it's had physically on the members within the Seventh-day Adventist Church up to this point? But if I may, okay. if I may go first, um, from our conference point of view, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had started tracking, just doing rough tracking from our pastors, trying to gauge you know, how many of our members may have been infected and how many may have died from that. We, we kind of lost track doing that. But I'm aware that uh, quite a few of our members uh, were impacted by the virus, you know, getting infected, uh, especially leading into the holiday season. 
just about mid-December through January, we saw a spike in our churches where, you know, our, our churches are closed, but we have small teams, you know, going in to stream the services. So there are several instances that the whole technology team came down with the COVID. We have the yeah. praise teams going in and coming down with COVID. One of our churches, both the pastor and the associate pastor, the whole technology team, half of the priest team, all of them came down with COVID. We've had a few deaths also as a result of that. In fact, we, we are planning on March, on March 16, um, as we get to the, about a one year anniversary when we shut down our churches, we're planning a COVID memorial just to honor the memories of those we've lost, you know, since last year up to now. Uh, due to COVID, as well as for other, you know, other courses, because uh, some of us love loved ones that we could not even attend the funeral services because wow. of COVID. So it, it, it has had some impact on our, on our pastors. I estimate that more than 10% of our pastors were, were infected with COVID based upon the rough numbers that I have, at least 10% or more. Wow, infected. wow. That's significant. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Dr. Bryant, from your vantage point, what are you seeing in that regard? It is, um, uh, and thank you for the question. Um, we have been greatly impacted as the Seventh Adventist Church, uh, as as the has the community on, on various levels. But when we start talking about the impact in terms of, um, you know, started in New York, um, New York was greatly hit at the very beginning, and and they were tracking the numbers initially at the conference and union levels there. And they said it got so bad, it was so discouraging, they stopped tracking the numbers. Oh, wow. Uh, almost every week, and they talk with pastors, uh, literally, and this is in the New York City area and, and greater New York and also Northeastern conferences reporting from their presidents. Literally, their pastors were being just totally overwhelmed by the impact on their local churches. They said the pastors would wake up in the morning at eight o'clock talking to members who had COVID or who had family members who had COVID or had someone who had died from COVID. And they said those, those phone calls would go on all day long, every day. Wow. Uh, and they got to a point, they just stopped keeping the, the records, but it was in, in the hundreds. And I would say across the division now we're in the thousands and of our members and uh, workers, uh, we know of pastors who've died uh, from the disease. We know of conference office officials who have died from the disease and have been impacted. And 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 as Pastor Wusu is saying, the other impact, even if you, is the toll that it takes on the living. Because mm. when you are not able to bring closure to, you can't be there by the bedside. You are not there to hold a hand. You didn't get a chance there to lay your hands and pray uh, for someone. It could may, may not have been a family member, but it could have been a church member. But you can't come together yeah. in, in a service to bring closure. And they, that impact uh, for a member, especially in those areas like New York, where there was a very uh, concentration, a very heavy concentration of deaths and impact, it, was, it, it took its toll in that region of, the, uh, of our country and of our division. And yet, you know, I would say as I am been totally amazed at the resilience of people and the role that faith has played through all of this, you know, where you have those uh, struggles and you have the challenge that COVID has brought with deaths, 
with illnesses and even people that I know, and, and these are thousands too, who, who may not have died, but are still struggling from some of the illnesses and the sicknesses that bring the fatigue. You know, I know conference union officials who say, you know, I, we have it and we're trying to move forward, but it has slowed our pace and it has made others more cautious. So it has, it has had an impact on us as a church. It has an impact on the lives of our members and our, and, and our conferences and our church and our, our church entities, our schools. Um, and yeah. so we praise God for the resilient spirit that we have seen in our people in spite of um, what they're dealing with. You know, we, I, I do Zoom meetings like most of you all the time, more than I need to do. And I'm never, I'm always amazed when they call for uh, prayer requests. I'm always amazed whether I'm meeting with conference leaders. I met with all the conference leaders, the union leaders, just this past Thursday uh, and met with presidents before all the conference presidents a couple of weeks ago. And it never ceases to amaze me that when we call for prayer, uh, prayer requests, the number of people who are personally impacted wow. by knowing someone that had COVID, they've had COVID themselves, have a family member, someone at the church, someone in their community, but we have all been impacted uh, by this dreadful virus and dreadful disease. And yet, you know, we still have a testimony and a witness that God still lives. He moves on. But I think we would we would not be honest with ourselves if we do not underscore the impact that it has had on our our community. Wow. Wow. That that's that's significant in a, in a large way. Listen, I, for those of you that may just be joining us and, and for those, I, I want to make sure that you understand a little bit more about our guest. And we did not do this at the beginning. So, Dr. Bryant, when we tell people as they read under your name that you are the president of the North American Division, um, we want to make clear that's the North American Division of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But could you just briefly just kind of give give our audience the scope of your responsibilities in terms of that territory? Okay, thank you. Uh, for those who may not understand that much about the Seventh Adventist Church, the Seventh Adventist Church is a global church. We're a worldwide church, and uh, we feel that God has called us, uh, Matthew 28, 19, to preach the gospel to the whole world. And so the way we've approached it is we've divided the world up into segments that we call divisions. And our segment of the world is called a North American division that covers the North American continent. That includes the countries of Canada, Bermuda, and United States, and Guam, and the islands of Guam. And so we are organized to try to reach the people in that territory. And then we're broken up into unions and conferences. <laughs> Uh, where we have these regional offices where they lead the people, lead the churches in those areas. So North American Division is kind of the international headquarters for the North American continent. And that is where I serve as president. Got it. And Dr. Wusu, this, the same for you. So how, how do you fit in? What's your, your scope of, of responsibilities? Yeah, the, the Southeastern Conference is part of the of the Southern Union, you know, which covers most of the southeastern portion of the United States. Our conference stretches from Key West, Florida, all the way to Tallahassee, Quincy, just at the Panhandle. We stop right there. And then we do have 
a few churches in the southern southern portions of Georgia. Um, our membership is about 58,000 uh, members uh, in the conference, about 173 churches, you know, organized churches and companies that we have. We currently operate 14 schools also in our in our area. And the language groups, major language groups that we serve, uh, about five have uh, Spanish, we have uh, Haitian Creole, we have English, we have Portuguese, a small group, and then we have one Filipino congregation, and uh, we have about 60 to 70 different countries represented in our conference, a very multicultural conference, an ethnic diverse conference, but uh, that's something right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for that. Just wanted to give our audience just a little scope and breath as far as what's uh, of who you are and what your, your role is in administration. Um, and so those are the territories and the roles there. Um, let's move to our second question for the day. I, I, we've lost there. Uh, I'm trying to figure if, we, if we're if we going to get Dr. Henry back or not. I, I'll go ahead and throw his question out. Unless, Roger, you want to you wanna move with this I, second I, question? I, 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 can, I can take a stab at it. I can take okay. a stab. We All talked right. about... Uh, the physical toll on the church, but there's another type of toll that a lot of us were worried about, uh -oh. and that was the financial oh. um, toll of the church. Um, you know, a lot of us had, um, um, we were worried. What what was this going to be? Our churches were shut down. Um, our organizations, our ministries weren't happening. Um, how did COVID-19 uh, how have the church, the churches and organizations and institutions been impacted financially by this pandemic? Um, the, um, uh, that's a good question. And that concern that you just shared was heavy on the hearts of uh, North American division leadership and leadership across our territory. Uh, because, you know, we immediately, we immediately closed down. And that happened across the country. Uh, we have 6,000 congregations. And the overwhelming majority of those congregations closed and have been closed. The overwhelming majority of those congregations did not have, at the day that they closed back in March of last year, did not have a really established virtual presence. Mm, wow. Uh, there were a few, there were, but the percentage probably maybe 15, 20%, maybe if uh, that high. And so we were very concerned about what would happen to our church, to the community of believers, uh, what impact that would have in our finances. Um, can we continue to uh, pay our workers, our pastors, our teachers? Um, and many were predicting, predicting somewhere around maybe 20 to 25 percent tithe drop of what our typical tithe is. We, we um, have uh, North American Vision, uh, gross tithe for the division is in excess of $1 billion. And so we were looking at maybe a $200 million drop across the collective tithe wow. of all the conferences and the um, unions, and but God is good and God is faithful and his people have been faithful. And we are very surprised, we were very surprised to watch the numbers. The first uh, couple of months, we did have a drop of about 4%, um, almost 5%. But as the pandemic continued, 
And as you got all these reports of uh, layoffs and how many people were losing their jobs, and as it continued, we we anticipated that that percentage of a five percent tide law was, would increase. It did not increase. In mm. fact, it went the other way. Wow! And we ended the year with a one point seven percent tide increase across the division. Wow! With the highest tide recorded in North American division history. Mercy! Wow! God is good. God is Amen. faithful. His people have been faithful uh, wow. during the pandemic. How that happened, only it's a miracle of God, but it, it is a testament to the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of his people. Man, I, and listen, I, I need some folk in the chat to be typing some amens and some hallelujahs yes, out there. That said, in 2020, we did not have a law. We had an increase at the end yeah, of is. the year. God has blessed this church in a powerful, powerful way. Um, Dr. Wusu, um, so that, that's what we saw on the, on the division level. Um, talk to us about a conference level. Sure. Yeah, and, and here at Southeastern Conference, the same thing when, when the pandemic hit, there was a lot of trepidation going forward. Uh, immediately, we started actually looking at our budget, you know, trying to propose some some adjustments. Maybe, you know, do we take travel away? Do we take cola away? Cost of living adjustment. Uh, we actually we actually revised our budget. We did a we did a post COVID budget just to try to cut some things just to make sure that we'll be able to, you know, to maintain operations and to keep keep uh, people employed. So that same fear was there. But again, God, God was, was amazing. It was an unprecedented year, but God was also unprecedented in the way that hmm. he worked. And uh, we, saw, we saw again, um, you know, a, a slight loss would have been reason to praise God. But hmm. we saw a 0.86% gain, you know, so... So we are rejoicing and praising God for his faithfulness and for the faithfulness of the members, you know, for, 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 for their faithfulness in, in such difficult times in supporting the ministry of God. On, on the other hand, though, as we speak about the gain on the conference level, we are also aware that on the local level, our churches have taken a hit, you know. So the local giving uh, is not as with a tithe. And so a lot of churches have taken a hit in terms of mm -hmm. the same decline in their local giving. Some churches were dependent upon different avenues of, of income, some rent their facilities. And so because of the COVID, they are not able to do that. So they saw a loss. And then uh, we live in an area where among some of our people, they still believe in cash. You know, so, <laughs> so they keep the offering <laughs> and they put a little cash in the offering plate. So when people are not in a building, some of that goes away. So, so our church, some of our churches have suffered, but overall, I mean, we just, um, uh, God has been incredible. There's a song that says, an incredible God deserves incredible praise. And, mm. and that's how I see wow. it. It's just been amazing to his people. Yeah. And, and if I could add, if I could add, I, I, and the same thing what Dr. Wusu said is true across the division. Where we did see a, a hit was at the local giving. And we really believe that's a matter of emphasis. People know to return the tithe, but uh, most of, many of our churches have truncated their services. So a lot of the things that, you know, the promotions that we do, those have not been there. And so uh, there's a group who is studying and what can we do to give greater focus on that and bring that to the, to the attention of our people. 
mission offerings have been down because of that also. Um, but the but so the the fact that people are returning tithe, you know, they're faithful, and so we're saying, what can we do to uh, offset the fact that we're we don't have those emphasis, don't have the emphasis on local church, and some people think, well, the churches are are closed, and so they don't need as much church tithe, mm-hmm. okay, I mean, church offering, and so. But I know many churches, many churches have done a tremendous, tremendous ministry to their communities during this time. We had over 1,500 food distribution centers around the North American division, and most of those out of local churches. Mm -hmm. Even though they were closed for services, they were open for ministry. Wow, wow. And I know some churches, because of what Dr. Wooster said, they say, hey, listen, you check some of the pastors out. We're, we're gonna, we can't open up for church service on Sabbath. We're going to open up the church office on Sunday. So just drop your tithe. Bring it by the church on Sunday. <laughs> we'll collect it. This cash, we'll take it. And we'll yeah. give you a receipt for that. And so the other blessing, too, is several years ago, we started what we call uh, e-giving, e-adventist giving. And That's it's right. a platform where you can give electronically. We had about 20% of our churches using that before COVID. We're up to now over 60-some percent of our churches using that, and 60-plus percent of the tithe that's collected for across the division is a result of that platform. That was something God put in place. The Lord saw this day coming, and he gave us an instrument on how the church can continue to be faithful and move, move uh, God's ministry and God's mission forward. I know that the churches, um, well, the conferences, as you mentioned, have been uh, has a, they've had an increase. But these institutions like the schools, um, even our you know, universities and so forth. Um, what about them as far as your understanding is? Have, have they taken a loss? Or are they also seeing this this gain that so many of our conferences are seeing? No, the schools have been hurt. The schools have been hit because the schools are basically tuition driven. They get appropriations from the local conferences and unions uh, and the division. But because they're tuition driven and they move from in-person learning to online persons uh, to online learning or virtual learning, uh, many people pull their kids out of of the schools because they felt that they were not getting the benefit that Adventist education provided. And so they have taken a hit. I will say this about uh, uh, many, um, many, many stories I've heard from the conferences. Uh, a lot of our conferences have gone the extra mile to try to help our schools during this moment, during this time. Also, I uh, know that the North American Division gave its own stimulus. You know, the government had a stimulus package. The North American Division mm-hmm. had a stimulus package where we um, um, returned $10 million, went into our treasury and got $10 million to be distributed to our conferences through our, through our unions. And the unions matched that money that went to the conferences. And I know many of the conferences used that funding to help the schools because the schools were really are really being hurt just because of a downturn in, in enrollment because of COVID. Wow. Dr. Uso, you were going to say something, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, earlier I was just um, go- going to say something. Like when uh, Elder Bryant was talking about the impact and, and the churches being creative and doing outreach, trying to meet 
the needs of the community. I'm, I'm streaming from one of our churches actually uh, this afternoon, the Pilgrims Church, Spanish Church in Miami, Florida. And highly hey, we church. know Pilgrims. Yeah, and, uh, and I was amazed when I, when I drove in this morning um, and the church was open, the parking lot was full. So I was wondering what was going on here. They had a food drive. The members are here uh, distributing food. This is a major center from, for, for the government for food distribution in this area. And they're serving about 500 vehicles on the Sabbath, mm. you know, whilst the church is closed. And it's just amazing what, what God is doing even in these times. And I just wanted to mention that. Uh, and, and in terms of the schools, if I would just mention, we've seen some challenges over there in terms of our schools. But interestingly for us, we, we've kind of maintained our enrollment. I remember mm. it was maintained as compared uh, on the K, K-12 level. It was not, but we're able to maintain it. The challenge that we've had, um, quite of ladies in the state of Florida is an uh, executive order, you know, from the Department of Education that requires that if your students are receiving published scholarship and the virtual learning is not working for them, you have to do in-person. So we have some of our students returning for in-person. So that put uh, some stress on our schools trying to prepare for that, you know, getting their classrooms, social distance, trying to put some, some barricade, plexiglass barricades to protect the children providing the PPEs. Uh, and so the conference now had to step in. And Elder Brian, uh, I'm glad to let you know that the stimulus monies that we received, we, we use some of those to help our schools to try to get them to, you know, to prepare and to meet these challenges. We know it's not enough. We are hoping that as we go along, we, will, we may be able to identify additional funds to be able to help our schools as they have to deal with the challenge of providing, providing both virtual and in-person you know, classes for, for their students. So that's what we are looking at, at doing over here. Hey, listen, just before we transition, I want to take this opportunity to invite you because it's a good segue. That church that Dr. Wusu was at was featured here on the Pastors Roundtable uh, a few a few uh, segments back. It's a it's a, a, a show that was entitled Ministries That Are Crushing Social Media um, with Pastor uh, Arnaldo Cruz. Listen, you want to go to the Pastors Roundtable YouTube channel and watch that video. If you have not subscribed, to that channel. Um, go ahead and do that now. Click that little bell. Every time there's a, a new um, video that comes up, you'll be able to catch that. So if you did not catch that segment, that's going to give you a little bit more in-depth look at what particularly Pilgrims is doing, where Dr. Wusu is broadcasting from, you'll have an opportunity to do that. Uh, go ahead and check that out on the Pastors Roundtable YouTube channel. Um, Pastor Paul, before, yes. okay. Pastor Paul, before we move on, <laughs> Yes. Go ahead. Good. We, we defer, yeah, Dr. Brian. On, I, I really do want to also give a shout out to our local churches yeah. because I, I was saying earlier that we weren't prepared for this. COVID caught us off guard. We were not in that virtual space. But what the local churches and our pastors have done Amen. to mm -hmm. expand themselves in this virtual space almost overnight. I mean, I think God just came along. God had been telling us to do it. And we said, okay, we'll do it. And the Lord just, with COVID, just pushed us off in the deep end. We do, do a Zoom, do a stream, do a whatever. They, fig they're, they figured it out and they are figuring it out. And I am getting all kinds of reports from all over the North American Vision territory that pastors and congregations are experiencing a greater attendance in the virtual environment services than they did when they had in-person services. Right. And I yeah. really want to uh, tip my hat to, to, the, to the pastors, to the media teams, 
uh, to those <coughs> people who have the knowledge that God has given them to help their local churches get in that space and make a difference for Christ in that space. And what a time to do it when people are looking for a place yeah. to get hope. They're looking for a place to have some answers, some solutions. They're, they're tired of seeing all those deaths and figures, and all you can do on CNN is report what's going on. They want somebody to give them some hope because of what's going on. That this will not last our ways. Is there, right. is there a word from the Lord? They don't Come know to say is there a word from the Lord, <laughs> but they're looking for a word from the Lord. And the Lord That's has right. blessed us to get in that space, to give that word in due season now. So I really want to give a shout out for our pastors and our local congregations who have jumped out there. You may not have known exactly what to do and what you're doing. You call, you talk to somebody, but we're in that space and we're making a difference for Christ. Amen. Hey, hey, uh, Great job. Uh, pa Pastor Wade, it is so ex it's so it's so fun to see Dr. Bryant get excited. I thought he was about to go into Zebedee's <laughs> boys for a minute there. <laughs> just need a hammer going. But I just want to add, uh, Dr. Bryant, um, from the North Reagan Division, not only was st a stimulus package sent back to the conferences through the union, um, the um, Adventist Community Service. Um, they partnered with uh, some other outside folks who gave funding and they actually gave a COVID grant to almost any conference that wanted the grant. They say, hey, I want the grant. And the conferences took that funding to get food to the community. Um, where I am here in the Mid-America Union, I want to give a shout out to the uh, New Haven uh, Food Pantry. They are running every Tuesday because of the impact of, of the COVID and the, and the virus, because of the, uh, the encouragement from the North American Division, ACS Department. They have been able, they have been deemed a essential um, um, an essential service uh, from the county, and they are doing a marvelous job. And across North America, our ACS uh, uh, community and 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 ministries have done an awesome job in filling a need in the local community. And I want to say thank you for that, uh, hey, Doctor Wade. Let, 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 me, let me tag on to what you just said. Now, to get this, you all. Get this. Get this. You know, we used to ask the question, if the church burned down or closed, would anyone know the difference? Get this, what is what has happened across the division. Churches that were said that you're non-essential, so you got to close down for church service. We have had congregation after congregation across this country in communities and counties that said you cannot meet to worship. But because they were doing ministry, say so you're open up because you're an essential. You're essential. Not because of your church service, but because of your outreach to the community, yeah. because you are feeding that. the hungry. Because you are giving clothes to those in need clothes. They said, listen, you're an essential service. Let those folks open up. What an astounding witness for Christ in this yes. COVID environment. And what an example to us of what we need to be doing to be essential to our communities. And it is doing the ministry of Christ. I mean, and we have heard those testimonies all over the country. Wow. Phenomenal. I got to do a shout and out here phenomenal. to one of our viewers. Rory, Rory T. Richards, Bethel's Community Service, served over 15,000 people during the pandemic. I had to do a shout out to one of our wow. viewers right there. So wow. Wow. we praise my, God. My chest is proud right now. I used to pastor that church. I'm excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. Good job. Leaving a great legacy. Great legacy. <laughs> well, listen, um, I, I want to know this. Here's a question I want to ask. 
So uh, we know, you know, the pandemic definitely has impacted our church. Um, financially, we know conferences did well, but, you know, institutions, some of them uh, d- didn't do as well as expected. But how about the mission and the message? Um, how has COVID-19 or this pandemic impacted the mission and the message? And do you sense any future shifts going forward? Uh, Dr. Wusu? Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that the mission remains the same, but if there's anything COVID-19 has done, it has caused us to rethink about how we deliver the message, the delivery and the methods of delivering uh, you know, this, this message. And I think one of it is the virtual you know, church uh, that we're doing now. We've been forced to, to try to find creative ways of getting the word out. And I think it's been a blessing in a way. Uh, Dr. Bryant uh, alluded to that earlier in that we are having more people. We're actually reaching more people in some cases than we did before. Uh, I've been you know, tracking most of our churches that have um, social media presence, YouTube. I subscribe to pretty much all the churches that have, and I check. And it's amazing to see for some of our churches where people are watching from, from all over the world. Um, Again, let me use Pilgrim's Church. I'm here today. You know, by the time we started our worship service, when I got up to to speak, we had about 5,000 devices, not people, devices. Mercy. Mm. Into into the service. By Wednesday, I can, on YouTube, I can safely say we will probably get to about between 10,000 to 23,000 views. I see that sometimes. There's another one of our churches in Plantation, Sinai Plantation Church. There have been times that they've had 53,000 people watching their services, their Sabbath service by Wednesday on YouTube, just YouTube alone. Uh, and people are watching from all over. Let's quickly, let me just share this um, um, story with you. I think it was about two weeks ago, a gentleman flew in from Utah and came to Pilgrims to get baptized. <laughs> That's from, right. Because he's been watching the stream and came all the way here to get baptized. But it's challenged our delivery. There's some, again, the pastors, you know, deserve deserve credit for being creative in the way that they are doing uh, their ministries, including the community outreach, you know, trying to, to reach out in the community and make an impact in their communities, trying to open up their, their churches, their spaces, you know, for, for not just the feeding programs, but partnering with other places, doing COVID testing and, and stuff of that nature. One other thing that has been happening here it's what is called a drive-through services. You know, a number of our churches, you come in, you sit in your vehicle, you're able to broadcast out live. In some of our rural communities, pastors are sharing with us that people are coming from the streets. You know, mm. it used to be some of those cities, you needed a permit to put a tent and to be able to meet the noise ordinance. But COVID somehow allowed us to be able to do that without getting permits and people are coming off the streets to hear what is happening. So yes, the mission is the same, but I think we, we, we have to adapt and come up with creative means of, of doing this. And I think the time has come for every church to have a social media presence. You know, streaming of services is here to stay. After COVID, right. we, we have to continue doing this. We, we have to look at, at offering um, what I, say, I call a hybrid church service. So, so in person, and then all those, you know, social media platforms, including Zoom and whatever else that is out there to use that and to utilize. So, 
yeah, I think that's something that we, we need to do. Absolutely. Uh, I, I uh, think uh, what point that Dr. Wusu uh, f- uh, finished with, I think that what has happened, the mission is the same. We've always had the same mission. The methodology uh, of how we do that mission, I think even some of the structure of how we do that mission, uh, we're going to have to take another look at and figure out what's the best way to do that going forward. Because you can't go back to where we, in fact, not only you can't go back to where it was, you won't be able to. Right. It's just done. You, you won't be able to. I mean, it's not a matter of, well, will it be? Normally, it's not normal. What was normal February of last year, we'll never, we will never get back to that. And so uh, for a, le- a lot of reasons, um, people have gotten used to being at home. And I, and I tell my, you know, my community, my African-American community, having an hour and a half and two hour and two and a half hour services, those are done. You, you, you're done. You're done. You're done. They sure are. They're done. Sure done, is- done. People have gotten accustomed to we can have the service, we can worship the Lord, and guess what? We don't have to be all day doing it. We can do it. Mm -hmm. That sermon that you thought you needed an hour and 15 minutes to preach, get over it. You got it done in 30 (laughs) minutes. And people are used to it. And so I think that that culture is changing uh, and will probably always change to a certain extent. But beyond that, um, the, the ability to worship in your home, to worship in your house, and others to join. That's a part of who we're going to be. We, we've been in this for almost a year now. You're not going to unchange that habit. That habit is there. Now, I do believe that there is a need, and I think people are crying out for in-person contact. And so I think there will always be that. And so the hybrid that Dr. Wusu talked about, I think, is going to be uh, important. But here's a couple of things I think that's going to affect us. Number one, we're going to have to redefine what we mean by local church. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because when you are in an online environment, uh-huh. you really mm-hmm. have a global reach. That's right. That's right. And many people have, I was just on the service this morning and uh, that was, that was out of Kansas city. And they were telling me, well, you know, we have people here from Germany and Africa and all that. We're going to have to rethink what, how does a local church function in an environment where you have no territorial lines. You have no conference mm-hmm. lines on, on, on the Internet. You have no boundaries. You have no walls that says this is our congregation. So I think we're going to have to talk that through. And another thing I believe we're going to have to do as a result of this environment is we have, as a Seventh-day Adventist church, we have de-emphasized personalities in the church with the exception of a few, you know, we have personality driven independent ministries. You know, uh, if you get a TV ministry that's driven by personality, Carlton bird is basically a household name because of TV ministry, elder Brooks and others. And, but besides that, we haven't really uh, been a personality name driven entity, but COVID-19 being on online, we do have, people who have followers based on their ministry. So you may have a pastor of a particular church. Well, are people following him because he's a pastor of that church or are they following him 
because of that. So they may move, you know, let's say, you know, we play the musical chairs with pastors and move them around. So you're at one local church and you're online, you go to another local church. Do you think those online people are going to stay at that local church that you left? Or are they going to follow you wherever you go in your wow. presence? So we have some things we're going to have to figure out and things that it will impact us structurally that we need to talk about how we navigate it because we can't say we're not going to do it. We're there. We're not going to go backwards because we can't. And and yet the reach that you have with the online uh, environment, and that's why I think even though the devil meant it to be evil, I think for mm. the God's church, God is positioning his church for the final movements because you can do more. You can reach more people in this online environment and they are not going to come to your church, but you can get to them. You can get them to drop in for a few minutes on online. So I think uh, methodology wise, structure wise, I think we're, we will it's going to stretch what we have known. It's going to stretch us to do something uh, different to meet the needs that's required. Uh, from the uh, online environment, from the virtual environment, but also this required for the mission. We finally figured out, here's a way to meet the masses. Mm -hmm. We are not structurally set up to do it. So I think it's going to press us to help our structure fall in line with it, or is this going to, it's going to roll over our structure if mm. we don't. And any time I may just, you know, Elder Bryant touched a point that I really want, wanted to emphasize. Often I had always struggled with the idea of this gospel, the kingdom shall go to preach to all the world for witness, and then shall the end come. Uh, I'd like to watch um, on Sabbath afternoon during this COVID, watching our mission 360. And that is the, uh, the conference mission program that they have. And, and every time I was watching, you see the masses who have not even heard about the gospel, about Jesus, left alone the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I kept wondering, how are we going to just finish this work to all the world and for the mm. end to come? Then, then it dawned upon me that COVID, yes, indeed seems to be a bad situation, but God, you know, Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 20, the Joseph and his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God, mm -hmm. COVID has been a challenge, but I think it's opened up a new door for opportunity for the church, for us to be able to reach people that would not come into our churches. They are not wow. going to come into a church. But we are reaching those people. And I think we just need to seize this opportunity, look at how we can use this, not only for preaching, but for, for, for teaching, for, for, for doing seminars, <laughs> workshops, you know, even some of the community programs, health, health seminars, health programs, exercise programs that you can do. People can watch and learn how to do it, cooking classes whatever else that we can do that can have a wide reach beyond the four corners of our church. And mm -hmm. I think this is just an amazing opportunity that God has given us out of what this pandemic that has been very devastating, that something good can come out of this as it relates to the mission of the church. In, you know, in, as, in as, as you were talking, as you're talking, Dr. Wilson, uh, quickly, you know, and, and how uh, you mentioned and both of you mentioned the same thing, which I totally agree, you know, it's stretching us. It's um, telling us that we got to, you know, reach this, this, this community and our community is bigger than our local area. And that is primarily done through the online ministry. And, and so I was thinking back, we had a show way back 
way back some time, and it said that um, there was a time when, you know, if you had a TV or when you were talking about a TV, they would say the TV's of the devil. Don't, don't, don't let the TV's of the devil. Now you better have a TV or some type of monitor because that's the way church is going to be. So again, yes. the shift, there is a shift that's taking place. And uh, we got to be on top of that shift or we will be left behind. I, 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 <laughs> you mentioned the TV. I said the TVs are smart TVs now, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's you know, right. That's right. Smart TV and it has the computer built into the TV, you know. So you, mm. you, you can watch YouTube right from your TV, you know. Praise, you know, anything you can do right from that TV. It's amazing. Yeah. Listen, I want to... Oh, go ahead. But, go ahead. Me, me pass. I just want to, along this line, we talked about the shift that's going to happen in the local church. Dr. Bryant, you brought up an excellent point in rethinking what local church is. But I want to just take it just one more step up. As administrators, um, I remembered when I was a church pastor and I proposed to my church board, <laughs> let's have an online church board meeting, they lost their minds. They were like, what are, what are you talking about? You know, what is this thing? You know, and back mercy, then it was mercy. Zoom. And they really had a tough time adjusting from the in-person board meeting to an online board meeting. Um, COVID-19 has forced us to rethink how we all, how we all work or lead uh, in meetings that take care of the business of our organization. Um, any thoughts on that? I know there are a lot of talks about the GC session being postponed and being postponed and sessions being postponed. Uh, as an administrator, both of you, um, what are some of the things you are you are taking into con consideration in that? Or what are the reasons? Because I know members are saying, yeah, let's get online. But I know there's more to it than just let's get online. That's a very good question, Dr. Way. Um, the reality of it is, had not COVID come, it would have taken us the next 10 or 15 years to get half of our churches where they are now, let alone, we probably have about 90% of them in, a, in a, some virtual world. But the other question that you're asking, what about the rest of the organization? What about the, and I'll be honest with you, Seven Adventists, we meet more than anybody else on the planet. That's just a part of who we are. And it's and it's not all bad. It's not all bad. You know, we come together in community and we have meetings and we keep networked and we yeah. keep the church together. But what COVID-19 has done in a collective way, when I say collective, I mean from the general conference to the division to the union to the local conference, it has taught us that we can do God's business in a much more efficient way. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to travel as much as we do. And Zoom, which, you know, be honest with you, a lot of people push back on Zoom. I want to make me, I want to, I want to press the flesh. I want to <laughs> press the flesh. We found out we can take actions and do votes without pressing the flesh. And not only is it is more economically, financially, but in terms of time, if I have a meeting in California, it takes me a day to fly to California, have my meeting, that's another day, wow. and then another day to fly back. I can do all of that right now. I Actually, I'm doing it now in four hours. Mm -hmm. So that is literally, and time is the most valuable commodity we have because you can't increase it. 
Wow. So that's literally, look at what the impact that is. And you take that across the spectrum at the general conference, the division, the union, and the conference level. Look at the impact of stewardship just by that. And so that's one of the great things that we have learned. And we also have learned um, in terms of, of, of reaching people. You can maximize, you know, people, and, 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 you know, you can see God's hand in this because maybe um, now, I mean, maybe there, there are people that we're even trying to reach, even the people we're trying to reach, they are looking for something more in a greater way. So God say, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to move it from this side. That's from the people who you're trying to reach. And God says, I'm this this pandemic, I will use it. The devil brought it. I will use it to create a, mm. a greater interest and a desire on the re, on the side of the people that you're supposed to reach. And then God said, I'm going to push you guys out there for the people who's supposed to be doing the reaching. And so God says, I'm going to narrow the space between the need and those who I've given the gospel to give to so that it can be, it, it, they can get together in a better and a quicker way. And I think that that's where we are today. So organizationally, I think the game has changed. And also in terms of our churches, the game has changed. It has changed for all of us. And if we don't take advantage, it's almost, we're almost at the rocks going to cry out stage. God said, listen, you all didn't want to jump in there. He said, I'm pushing you in the, um, the pool. And guess what? We got in there and we started swimming. Even some of the small churches who said, listen, we, we're not doing anything. We don't believe in it. After about three months, they figured out if we don't jump in here, we're done. And so even some of the small churches are getting out there. And we had one the other day that normally meets with 20 people, 25 people. Guess how many people they're meeting with now? 200. Wow. wow. And so God is doing something special. God is doing something unique. And God is saying, listen to what I'm doing. Watch what I'm doing and come on board. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. And, 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 and if, if I may add to that, in terms of when we look at the organization, when it comes to some of our larger meetings like sessions, as you know, the GC session had to be postponed. In our, in our union, our union session has been postponed. Our, our conference session has been postponed, you know, because none of our bylaws makes provision currently for virtual meetings of any kind. Mm. It, it prescribes that you have to be in person to have it. So now, in our executive secretary's meetings, you know, they, they may discuss what, what we do. We need to now make provision in our bylaws that will allow us to do that. The other, the other challenge that poses in some of our conferences, the delegates that we have to our session is so large, you know, that trying to even do the logistics of, our, of, a, of, a, of a virtual meeting becomes a challenge in, in that sense. I'll use my conference as an example we have close to, for our session, about 1,300 delegates, Elder Bryant, you know, that's probably about yeah. half of what the general conference has, you know, so, so you have that, and I think all of that is going to force us to look at how we have some of these meetings, and maybe our delegate count, do it in such a way that we can be more efficient in getting these meetings done, as opposed to with sometimes with these large numbers of people coming in where you need to rent these large facilities and size arenas just to house these meetings and spend thousands of dollars just to do it. You know, so, so those are some of the things that we are confronted with and think about when it comes to some of these larger meetings that we have, you know, trying to adapt to the times and, you know, doing it with a more efficient and I think fiscally responsible as well. 
If I may, I'd kind of like to, um, to, to circle just, just a little back to, to, I don't remember who asked the question, but it was the question about the, the mission and the messaging. Um, what, what COVID has done, and just when I say COVID, I, I'm even thinking of this whole season of COVID. Um, really, really, I'm talking about 2020. We saw a whole lot in 2020. It wasn't just COVID. We saw a whole lot of social issues, particularly Black Lives Matter. Um, you saw all, a, a lot of things that were you know, embedded in there. We're seeing the, the QAnon impact and effect. Um, and so when we talk about the messaging of Adventism in light of, of the, the changing shifts that have come along with all of that, COVID, the pandemic in the midst of it, um, people think about the messaging of Adventism often centering around a lot of prophecy, end time events and, and prophetic proclamation studies in Daniel and Revelation. Um, is this a time to shift away from those things and deal with more mm. contemporary issues? Is it a time to shift more towards it because it's more pertinent and real? What, what's the posture that, that, that we think our churches should be taking as it pertains to messaging during this time in a, in a more contemporary sense versus the more traditional um, prophetic things that, that have embodied our messaging? Yeah. Uh, I don't think we just need to shift from one to the other. Mm -hmm. I think it is about trying to trying trying to to present that message in a more relevant way. Ooh, because okay. because the, the prophecies are, are rooted, and I like what the North American Division has done with the mission statement, which of course we have mimicked here our Southeastern Conference. The concept of reaching, but but two two things: hope, wholeness in, in our message, and, and and that's what a prophetic message is about. It really points to the second coming of Christ, which is the hope that we have. And we are living a time with all of these unrest and turmoil. There's a lot, great deal of hopelessness around and helplessness around. And I think this is a time for us to be able to take our message and to really speak, speak to do these things. I think we are uniquely positioned. I think our emphasis has been probably, you know, the, the wrong way. So when we talk about the prophecies, we are looking at the beasts and the and all those kind of stuff, but, but, but all of that points to, to the culmination, to a better day coming at hope. But, but also, we do also know that Christ has promised us life, abundant life, even now, not, not just tomorrow. And that's the wholeness aspect that comes in. So I think it's a matter of maybe shifting the emphasis and making it relevant, taking these measures and making it relevant and speaking to the needs of the people. My mind always goes back to Ministry of Healing, page 143, 144. Mm -hmm. And why it says it's Christ's method alone, you know, bring true success right. in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with people, you know, he shows sympathy or compassion towards them. Then he says he won their confidence. I mean, he met their needs, won their confidence, and then bade them follow me. And I think that time has come for us to couch our message in that context, I think if we do that, then we can impact people. We don't have to throw the prophecies away. But the prophecies, we have to remember, points to, to the second coming of Christ, mm -hmm. which is the blessed hope that we are looking forward to. And I think if we can reshift re re things, that, that, that would help us to, to be able to accomplish great things and impact people where, where they are. Dr. Bryant, today I, I shared something um, with my church family um, 
uh, from from some very reputable news sources. One was CNN, one was the New York Times, one was Bloomberg, um, and, and there were a couple of others. And, and they're, they are taking Adventism and pulling William Miller's prophecies, and they are taking it in those forums and aligning Seventh-day Adventism with conspiracy theorist movements like QAnon, um, like some of these things. And that's kind of a pointing towards our messaging. How should we address or think towards those types of uh, things right now? You know, I... I think that we should not let anybody beat us telling our message. <laughs> wow. I think we need to tell our own story and our own message. And if uh, these other outlets are doing it, we have the capacity. I was just talking to the uh, church leadership all across the division this past Thursday about it. We have the capacity with 59 conferences, nine unions, 13 universities and colleges, a, 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 um, a printing press, uh, Christian record services, five health systems, we have the capacity to blow up the, net, uh, the internet anytime we want to do it. Mercy. We Mercy. have the networking capacity yes, that we can make the Seventh day Adventist message go viral That's right. if we have the will to do it. And so we can create our own message. And I think it's a time for us to create our own message. And I think we need to double down on our message. I think wow. our message is a relevant message. I think like Dr. Wusso, it's a matter of emphasis. If you take Revelation chapter 14, the three angels message, what do we emphasize? We emphasize the mark of the beast. If you look at the message, that's not what John is emphasizing. John that's is right. emphasizing the everlasting gospel to the nation, cool. to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. He ain't emphasizing no mark of the beast. He's wow. emphasizing the gospel of Jesus Come on Christ. Now. Every man, every woman, boy, and girls, that's the emphasis of the message. Wow. That's it. That's it. All the time and spend it over there on the mark of the beast and all that. Now he does talk about the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. It is a warning, but mm -hmm. the, the but the mark of the beast is a consequence of the people who don't accept the first message, which is the gospel. Mercy. And so the message is not God going to destroy people. Is the message is God is trying to save people. We need to double down on the ha. message. But yes, sir. It the right way and put the right emphasis. Yes. That's what God has called the Seventh Day Adventist Church for. That's what yes. God has called us in this moment for. It ain't no QAnon. It is Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. That's what our message is. It ain't that. And we need to My take Lord. it back. Yes. Stop taking yes. the back seat. Step up and say, this is the message of the Seventh-day Adventist church. It is a message grounded in God's word, in revelation. That's what God has called us through. That's who we are. Wow. Wow. Powerful. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah, it's prophetic, but the prophecy is Jesus is coming. coming. I, I, like to, uh, I like to say, you know, it's... I, I get all these papers and stuff from Macy's department store. And, you know, Macy's sent all this stuff, and they say, hey, listen, we got a sale, 75% off, 70% off. But mm -hmm. they said it's a limited-time offer. That's mm -hmm. what God has called us to do. We have a great message, and it's Jesus loved us with an everlasting love. Wow. But Amen. it's a limited-time offer. Mercy. That's what our message is. <laughs> The, 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 the mark of the beast is just saying it's limited. 
But the, the <laughs> emphasis is not on the limitation. The emphasis is on the message. Mercy. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. That's what the Seventh-day Adventist That's is all it. about. That's and so it. I think we need to double down. That's why Dr. Wilson talking about hope and wholeness. We need to double down on that message. We don't need to run from it. We double down on it. We are the knowers of our day. Listen, folks, it's going to rain, but guess what? We got a message of hope and wholeness. Now is the day to accept it. Now is the time of salvation. Now, right now, accept it today because a day is coming that you can't accept it. That's the message that God has called us to proclaim. That's the message I'm proud of. That's the message I'll stand up on the street corner. I would say, I would shout it from the housetop. That's the message that we need to get on the internet. It is the seven-day Adventist message. It is God's message that God has given to this church. We don't Mercy. need to be afraid. We don't need to cower down. We don't need to go out the Sabbath. This message is the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Hey, that, that's your yes, North sir. American. That's your North American division president right there, y'all. That, hey, hey. God, God has brought people. Listen, and I'm not trying to just blow gas people's heads up, but God brings people to the kingdom at special times, um, and that's just a powerful, powerful, powerful word right there. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Bryant. And, I like how our uh, Pastor Scott put it in the chat. Of this says, church because of this message. I was just saying, it's, it's a Not message for, for today. You know, a message is the message that people need to hear today. We have it, and we just need to put a right emphasis. There's a lot of hope in the Adventist message. You know, it's it's it, it, it's a blessed hope. It, it's it's just the emphasis, and I think um, Elder Brian has said it all. We we just we don't need to be apologetic. For this message, we just need to share it the right way, and we can turn the world upside down. I believe it all my heart. And, and people like want to counter. They want to count. They want to counter. They want to. They want to juxtapose this message to being relevant with social issues. There is no more relevant issue to social issues than this message. Come on, God now. expects right. us to help people have a better life here today. So God expects us to speak out with social issues and racial unrest. But, you know, just like the slaves, our forefathers, they fought every day for freedom. But you know what they put their hope in? Swing low, sweet chariot, coming to carry me home. They knew this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. What I need to tell people who are sick of the racism and the institutional racism, I need to speak up. My voice needs to be heard. I need to try to make life better here for people today. But I also need to tell them there's a better life coming. That's it. That's it. That's the Seventh-day Adventist Church message. That's our relevancy. Yes, we do what we can to make it better. But we also know that this world is not our home. Yes. That there's a better life coming. That's where the hope of our forefathers were. That's why the slaves should go right. from day to day. While they were seeking freedom, at the same time, their eyes was on a better place. And that's what Come God on. is calling it, it is so refreshing to see our administrators yes. hot and excited about this gospel that we preach. Uh, Pastor Scott says that it's a great time to have the the gospel message of salvation. It is hot right now, and we have an opportunity to just share that hot message to this this hurting world. And I'm excited to be a part of this wonderful church. 
Listen, I see our next question um, that we had kind of planned, but I think we've kind of dealt with it just a little bit when we were talking about, um, you know, what's the impact that the pandemic has had on technology and liturgy. Um, we, we've, we've done that. We've kind of hit some of that already. Um, I am wondering if, if we, because I'm looking at our time, we, this, is, this is rich. We've only got about 10 minutes left. Um, uh, Pastor Wade, we, we want to go with the next question. Yeah, I, you know, um, in terms of our denominational structures and personnel, um, yeah, what would you share with us, uh, uh, Mr. President? What would you share with us that needs to um, that we, uh, we as ministers or as as members? What skill sets and competencies um, do you think we need to best position this church to be successful in making disciples going forward? What are some of the things we need to have in our toolboxes to, to, to move the message forward from this point on? We know we're not going back. So uh, what, what do we need to go forward? And can I, can I add to this, uh, Pastor Wade? And what are some things that we need to take away? <laughs> what are some things that we need to take away? What are some things that's in our denominational oh, structure? Oh, oh take away that way. <laughs> you mean get <laughs> rid of. So that we can move forward. Um, I think the number one need of the church today is um, people who know how to maximize life in the digital realm. Mm. I think right now, if you don't have those people, and I, I praise God for those of you who are media savvy, who, are, who have the technology and the skills to go in there. But I think that that is, that is going to continue to uh, double and quadruple over the next coming months and years uh, to get into uh, technology. And one of the th challenges of leadership, if you look at our leadership in North American division, I'm talking about at all levels, the division, mm -hmm. union, and conference levels, those individuals are not naturally geared toward that. They may be aware of it, but they just don't naturally have the skills they didn't come up with it. I think we need to engage our young people because our young people can take this arena and blow the doors off. They, they breathe and they live technology. I mean, when I say technology, I'm talking about in the digital space now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's second nature to them. So why not move over a little bit uh -oh. and make room for them and loose them and let them go? Why not give them the privilege, God-fearing young people who can, you know, I, I, we have one of our focuses for the division is uh, with we, the 3Ms, and we're, we've been talking to our leadership team about it, and we're moving in it, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, our executive committee is going to vote, move to vote these three emphasis, strategic focuses. One is multiply, has to do with discipleship, making disciples. The other one is mentorship, and the third one is media. How can we Come better on. leverage ourselves in media? I ran this idea against the college uh, and university student government presidents. They were totally excited. I mean, I have, I'm scratching the surface saying, you know, we need to get some digital disciples. But they, they took it to another level. These are committed, God-fearing young people who have ideas that we haven't even thought about. We probably won't ever think about. But I think we need to move over and make room for them uh, 
in, in this space. And I believe the opportunity is there to do it. So I think that's one of the number one things that we can do to help maximize um, technology, especially digital technology, and help move the church into the space where the rest of the world is. I just saw a, a stat the other day that blew my mind. You know, you can go to the remotest parts of Africa where we consider out in the hitherland, they got cell phones. They got all, so people can be communicated with. Now, why not get in that space where we can reach the world for Christ? And so I yes. think that's the, that's the number one. There, there are other structural things we need to do, but I think number one thing is to lose those digital-minded, digital-committed Adventist Christians and let them go. Amen. Yeah, and, and, and if, if I may add that, that, that is very critical, you know, in terms of using our young people and something that we are thinking about here, even in the Southeastern Conference, is trying to, to equip our pastors, you know, those who want to learn to be able to do what you're doing. Every pastor should be able to have a little studio in their house where they can just stream and be able to, you know, send a message out. And so we're, we're, we're looking at that uh, as something that maybe we can do to help our pastors who want to to be able to learn, especially now that we have, you know, these other platforms like, like Zoom, we can pre present some workshops, teach pastors how to, to navigate, you know, digital space, you know, how, how, how can you stream, how can you do, do that? It's a, uh, has created a new norm that has forced us to have to do this. You know, I had to speak out of one of our churches in a major city and, and it got me, uh, they were not streaming, they were doing the worship service, they're not even using Zoom. They were doing the worship service by the telephone. Uh, and this is not a rural church, this is church in a major city. And I thought, you know, something is wrong with that. That church is in position. And so that, that is something that we need to look at in terms of that digital space and allowing our young people, you know, to be to be involved in helping us to get to, to, to get there. And we, we have to do that. We have no choice. If we don't, some, someone, a young pastor told me, uh, two million of us are dinosaurs. That's what he says. And so we yeah. just need to make sure we adapt. Uh, 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 you know, so that, that's an important thing to do. Can, can I say one more thing? Because I saw a chat in the comment. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that old people can't do it. When I mean move over, let them lead because they can do it more intuitively than us. And we can join, we can help, but they will take it to a different level just because of where they are generationally. And so I, I think we need to let them lead in that, but we all need to be involved in it, and we all need to be a part of it. But they, God has given them, you know, if you watch these little two-year-old, 18-month-old, 12-month-old kids who know how to, it's just, it, it's something, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened between their generation and mine, but it's something that's intuitive to them about this technology. Why not allow that? to help us get the work uh, get the work done but it's not to get a, do away with all people but since this is their area that intuitively let them lead us in this area and and helping to move the gospel forward is what i what i was trying to say absolutely dr wusu i couldn't help but see there in the chat i just saw a comment that said uh, it was directed to me. It was one of one of our teachers said, Pastor Paul, hashtag funding coming. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And and, and also also in the chat, uh, we saw our technician for PRT. He put in the in the chat 
Facts. Facts. So you got all the technicians <laughs> are excited right now because yeah, we, are, we are actually putting a light on their ministry. All right. Here, here, so here's here's the question as we wrap up. We got well, we're we're just beyond our time here, but um, here's the fun question. Um, I was trying to prep you guys for it. I hope I hope you got it. Listen, if you could, uh, Doctor Owusu, Doctor Bryant, if you could wave a holy, sanctified but magic wand, and you could make two changes. <clears throat> to anything in the Seventh-day Adventist church right now. Doesn't have to go by committee, doesn't have to be approved, doesn't have to be funded or comes with all of the funding that it needs. If you could wave that magic wand and to impact anything that we've talked about today from, from our structure, from our finances, from the culture, from our messaging, from our messaging, me, mess, uh, mission and messaging technology, what would those two changes be that you just got to be dictator in chief and just make it happen? You could just speak it into existence. Um, what would you go with? Let's start with you, Dr. Wusu. Okay, two things I think. Okay, number one, I would make sure that every church that we have has some kind of digital media presence and equip every church with what they need to be able to have some social media presence, online presence out there. That is something I would like to see. COVID-19 has made it necessary. It's here to stay, so I'll do that. The, the second thing that I would like to see uh, happen would be for each of our churches to be what called what I call a center of influence, that a oh, church wow. will be an integral part of your community and that all the community will be centered. What happens to the community centered around our church where, you know, I call it, most of our churches are what I call drive, uh, driving churches. We, we come in, we watch it, and we leave. I would like to change that. Two things, community presence, all our churches, centers of influence, impact in our communities, media presence, all our churches. Wow. Powerful. Good stuff. Good stuff. Dr. Bryant. <laughs> yeah, I think those are two great ones. I certainly could connect to those two. I think uh, one that I would do is, I think it's kind of connected, is to plant in the minds and the hearts of our members, the priesthood of all believers. Mm, that um, each okay. one is a minister. That each person is a minister. Good. And that if we would make, maybe number two, which is a part of that one, is the um, that we would really understand what Christ meant and we would implore and employ disciple making. That is not about uh, just baptizing people or becoming members of the church, it's be really becoming disciples of Christ. Because I think if they saw themselves as a priesthood of believers that, hey, mm -hmm. listen, it's not the pastor's responsibility to win people for Christ. I am a minister of Christ. God Amen. has called me to be to reach my community, to reach my neighbors and my family. And God has uniquely positioned me on my church, on my job, or wherever I may be in my community to reach him. That, that mindset that God has called each person to do that. And then I would say the second one would be 
that we would connect with our communities, which I think is what Dr. Wusu mm-hmm. was talking about, the Church of uh, Center of Influence, but that we become in our communities, connected to our communities, and known as people who love and care for our communities. Wow. And so whatever that may take, it may be a Black Lives Matter movement. It may be feeding the hungry. It may be, uh, it may be dealing with the single mothers. It may be dealing with the single. Uh, the the children who had not have a father, it may be whatever, but that we would, we could be seen as those loving people in our communities who are connected with our communities. It's awesome. Well, I, I tell you, listen, um, I have been blown away by this conversation here with our two guests, uh, Dr. Brian and Dr. Wusu. I want to thank you so much for spending the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today to talk about ministry. And I, I think I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving away. I'm, I'm leaving this show um, after, you know, after we're done, of course, you know, a couple of minutes with a, with a good uh, outlook on our leadership and our leadership. They are willing and ready for us as workers to invest in the change that needs to take place so that this work can go Forward. So I'm really, I'm happy to be a part of the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Yes. And guess what? Yes. I am going to make sure that we tell our own story. We don't need to let Come them on tell now. our story. That's right. right. We're telling our own story. And the story is not on limitation, but on an invitation that Jesus is Come coming on. soon. Hey, right. hey, to, to, to my fellow hosts right now, I, Dr. Henry, you just used a word that I, I'd like to strike if I could get stricken from, from the record and from our <laughs> vocabulary right now. You said you wanted to thank our guest at, at the roundtable today. Can, can, can we make Dr. Brian and Dr. Awusu like honorary uh, 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 hosts of, of the roundtable, part of this family? Listen, we want this to be a home for you to feel like this is a platform that you can take advantage of and use as you need. Um, our, our audience today has been blessed as you just see these, the, the comments coming through the chat. Um, and again, just on behalf, I, I we do this every week. All of us want to take the time to thank you, but I'm going to do it anyway. We said we we're going to stop we're preachers. doing it. preachers. <laughs> That's what we do. We're preachers, man. <laughs> but this has just been so awesome. And, and, and we just, from the bottom of our hearts and for our audience, we thank both of you. You know, you, we know you got busy schedules. You didn't have to take the time to stop by the round table today, but we have eaten well today. Um, we, we have feasted both on ideas and inspiration and, and motivation. Um, and, and we thank you so much for doing that. Pastor Wade. Wow. I, I, I just had to add my thank you. I personally, <laughs> Pastor Bryant, Dr. Bryant, you know, we go a long way back. You, you really way shaped my fine. ministry um, over the years there. And um, I am just so excited to, to see where God has led you. And, um, you know, I could even say when I grow up, I want to be. Come on now. Uh, but I know God is, <laughs> you have just given me the permission to be a minister now. So I, I am just excited to be able to work alongside with you. And Dr. Uso, we are just so glad you're where you are because you brought you brought it today. And um, I know Southeastern is going to be a that's better my, place. That's my president, y'all. That's my president. I got there that there day. There you that's go. My president. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much, both of you, for everything that you're doing. And we want you to know that we'll be praying. And again, as Pastor Paul said, this is your this is your platform. So if ever you want to come on and share and talk, it, we'll be happy to to have you be with us uh, anytime. So here at the Pastors Roundtable, thank you, thank you, thank you.